Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. 1 Peter chapter 2 reveals Christ as the stone which the builders rejected. This has become the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, who stumble at the word. This word was quoted from Isaiah chapter 8 and reveals Christ not simply as the Savior, but as the one of God's purpose and plan. How do you know him? Do you know him as your Savior? If you do, do you know him as the stone? Stay tuned for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Beginning in 1974, Witness Lee undertook an incredible task, that of composing an exhaustive commentary of the entire Bible, opening to God's people the vision of Christ as the embodiment and dispenser of the divine life. By 1991, he had come to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and that is where our broadcast again brings us today. With us once again for another of these enlightening and enjoyable programs is Dick Taylor. Dick, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks, Chris. Really good to be here with this marvelous unveiling of our precious Christ. Well, Dick, today we are focusing on Isaiah chapter 8, quite specifically on one verse, and that is verse 14, which says, Then he will become a sanctuary, yet a stone to strike against and a rock of stumbling. This chapter is sandwiched between the two great chapters in Isaiah 7 and 9, which both are clear prophetic speakings of Christ's ultimate coming in the flesh. It's interesting, isn't it, Dick, that this word about him as the sanctuary is in between these great revelations of Christ in his incarnation. I really appreciate in chapter 7 you see this marvelous Christ who is Emmanuel, God with us. In chapter 9 you see this Christ who is the Son He's the child, he's the father, he's the mighty God, he's the wonderful counselor, he's the prince of peace. But right in between these two chapters that unveil so many precious riches of Christ, you have chapter 8. And in this chapter, you have Christ as the sanctuary. So to really learn to enjoy Christ as the sanctuary will apply all the riches that you find in chapter 7 and chapter 9. So this chapter is perfectly fitted between 7 and 9 to bring us into the application of all the riches of Christ. Well, Dick, let's get right to it. Here's Witness Lee. We have come to Isaiah 8, between 7 and 9. There's two chapters in Isaiah. You couldn't imagine that in between the child and the son, you have such a wonderful word that Isaiah tells us the Christ he has unveiled. 
is also the sanctuary to his believers. I like to uh, speak a word firstly concerning the Chayun God being our dwelling place. In the Old Testament, you have Psalm 90. In the first verse, we are told that our God is our dwelling place forever. Think about a living God to be our dwelling place. He must have some doors that we can enter in. And he must have some windows that we can see through. And we think him there must be some chairs, beds, for us to lie down and to sit down. Think about it. This is our dwelling place. And not only so, within him, there must be some food and some drink. Suppose we are your host and you are our guest and we put you into a dwelling place without food, without drink, without light, without air, would you stay there? Surely you would not stay there. So, God is our dwelling place. That word in Psalm 90 was the word spoken by Moses. Moses says, oh, our God is our dwelling place forever. Then, one day God got a people. A people, not just one person like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and so forth, but a people, a collective people, that is, the people of Israel. So they brought them to a place, to Mount Sinai, and they charged them to build a tabernacle. Then when they enter into the good land, they build a temple to replace the tabernacle. Now, I would ask you, do you know what kind of place is that tabernacle? That temple? Could you tell me? What place is that? Dwelling place. Uh, Whose dwelling place? God's dwelling place. The central thought of God toward his chosen people. The ones who were chosen by God, who were called by God, who were redeemed by God, who are saved by God, and who are regenerated, and who are being transformed into the divine image. God, to them, is not just an ordinary dwelling place. God, to them, is a sanctuary. And the sanctuary is the inner part of the tabernacle or of the temple. And that inner part should be the Holy of Holies. Dick, we have spent quite a bit of time in previous programs on these chapters 7 and 9 that you talked about in the introduction. Two great prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to the coming of Christ in the flesh. Well, chapter 8 is often overlooked, even unnoticed. But the revelation of Christ as the sanctuary in this portion is not much less significant, is it? It is not. Christ is our sanctuary. Christ being our sanctuary means Christ is our dwelling place. Christ is God's dwelling place. Christ is also our dwelling place. 
John 1.14 says, Christ the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. This means he was God's tabernacle on this earth, God's dwelling place, and at that point, God's desire is that we would all be found in Christ in this dwelling place, enjoying the very God who's dwelling in Christ. Christ is the very embodiment of the triune God. So when we dwell in him, we enjoy God. So we need to be in this dwelling place, this sanctuary, to enjoy all that God is. You know, this sanctuary refers to our home. God's dwelling place means God's home. We dwell there. He dwells there. Together, we're roommates. We're so close. This is home. There's no sweeter place than home. And this sanctuary, referring to our home, is an all-inclusive sanctuary or an all-inclusive home. In Ephesians 3, it says, we need to take care of our inner man, our spirit, so that Christ could make his home in our hearts. So if we stay home in our spirit where Christ is as the dwelling place of God, then Christ can make home in our hearts, and there is no place like home. Our home turns out to be a person. This person is Christ. In your home, you have everything you need. You're comfortable. There's uh, food. There's something to drink. There's rest. There's satisfaction. There's enjoyment. So this item of Christ being the sanctuary is too, too precious. It's so good to not just have a physical, material dwelling place, but to have Christ and enjoy Christ as your sanctuary. Dick, that's really a good point, that our home is not just the dwelling empty, void of other things, but all of our life provisions are found there. So the implication is Christ is our sanctuary. That means within him is all of the riches and the items of rest and nourishment and clothing and provision that we need. At least a, an enlarged view of Christ as our dwelling place, isn't it? Right. So when we see him as our sanctuary, it means he's everything we need. Because everything we need is at home. You know, when you travel, you're always so happy to go home. <laughs> so when we travel away from Christ, we always are so happy to come back home because in Christ, every need is met. So what we need to do is daily have many intimate, sweet, affectionate times with our dear Christ as our home and in our home and even as our roommate. He's not only our home, He's also the one we're dwelling with. And by this, we would enjoy all the unsearchable riches of Christ. In Ephesians 2.22, it says, In whom? In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. You see, it doesn't say in whom. It says in whom. So Christ is really, really precious as our home sweet home, and he meets every need that we could ever have. What a Christ as our sanctuary. Dick, on two occasions now you've used the word roommates. I know you borrowed that from Witness Lee. We're That's gonna, right. We're going to hear him develop this point in our coming section. Where should we be all the time? Where should we live? Where should we stay? Where should we dwell? This God took a further step to be a man. And when he became incarnated, he tabernacled himself on this earth. He made himself God tabernacle. Then later on, he told the 
Jewish people, he was God's temple. In John chapter 1, he was God's tabernacle. In John 2, the next chapter, he was God's temple. No wonder Isaiah could say this. 700 years before the incarnation of Christ, Isaiah prophesied that this coming one is the sanctuary of God's children people. For all of them to live with God, to take God as their roommate. I can testify when I stay with him, considering him as my roommate, I tell you, I have light, air, water, I have food, I have everything. God, all God, becomes our dwelling place. On this earth, nowhere is so good as our home. Home, home, sweet home. <laughs> and our home today is home. Hallelujah, it's God. Eventually, in New Testament, we were made part of this sanctuary. So, in the epistles, we are told, we are God's temple. And we are God's temple with Christ. One temple, the head and the members of the body, the whole thing. And eventually, this whole thing will consummate in what? In the new Jerusalem, the enlarged, the extended sanctuary. That new Jerusalem will become a mutual dwelling. God dwells in us, and we dwell in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He becomes our sunshine, our air, our water, our food, our everything. Then what? We become His food. We become His drink. And we become His rest. And He would uh, tell Satan, Satan, look at how many roommates I have. We have a lot of roommates, but the top one is our Christ. He is your sanctuary. Dick, initially in the first section, we saw that Christ is the sanctuary. Ultimately, then, we become God's sanctuary, his dwelling place. And now, he becomes our dwelling place as well. Witness Lee has extrapolated that that makes God and us roommates. I think this is his charming way of saying something very profound, isn't it? It really is. In fact, when you really see the truth of this section of the Word, you realize the only way we can enjoy God in such a wonderful way is to live in Him and taking Him as our dwelling place or our sanctuary and also taking Him as our intimate roommate. Not only is He the dwelling place, but He dwells there. So we're together with him. But this roommate is not just beside us. This roommate is in union with us, mingled with us. Even we live in him, and he lives in us. This is the highest, holiest intimacy in the whole universe. Oh, how we love him. We love this roommate. I love uh, a hymn that says, uh, written by our dear brother, it says, Oh, Lord, thou art the Spirit. And this wonderful Spirit is now in our spirit. And this is the dwelling place of God. O Lord, thou art the Spirit. How dear 
and near to me. How I enjoy your marvelous availability. He's so close, he's so dear, so near. This roommate is our life. Nobody can get closer to you than your life. So this is not just a roommate hanging around in the room. <laughs> this is a roommate who is absolutely one with you and has come in to be your very life. Second Timothy 4.22 says, The Lord be with your spirit. So we need to be those who practice to exercise our spirit. And even to love the Lord, exercise our spirit by saying, Oh, Lord, thank you for being so dear, so near. Lord, I love you. You will enjoy Christ as your home, and you'll enjoy Christ as your real intimate roommate. We need many intimate, affectionate, sweet times with the Lord like this. This allows Christ, with all of his unsearchable riches, to be applied to us. Otherwise, we just have doctrines. And we're not here just for doctrines. This is a life study of the Bible. We want to experience Christ as our life. It tells us in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you. This means we abide in him, he abides in us. So the word charges us. Remain in this sanctuary. And remain with this roommate in such an intimate way. We just want to be so close and intimate with this dear one. And then in John 14, 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come and make an abode with him. This indicates that God's desire is that we would have this intimate living one with the other. We live with him, and he lives with us. In and with. We're in him, and we're with him in the most intimate way. So the whole Bible charges us, remain in the sanctuary, abide here, love him, enjoy him. He makes an abode with us, we make an abode with him. And we enjoy the intimacy of him in every way. You know, Dick, there's a verse in Revelation that is often lifted from context to preach the gospel with, and that's the one where the Lord is standing at the door of our heart and knocking. I think uh, we could maybe borrow it from its context for today's message as well. It also has an application here, doesn't it? That's our roommate knocking, wanting to come in. That's right. We want to open the door and let him in. We not only want to have him just dwelling in our hallway, we want him to take over our whole house. We want to possess him, and we want him to possess us. Let's rejoin Witness Lee, Dick. Isaiah is very honest, very faithful. He told us the good things that makes us all the time happy. He also told us the negative things. Christ is so good to his positive ones. But he is also something to the negative ones. It seems to the positive ones he is only one item, sanctuary. Actually, the sanctuary is very inclusive, implying sunshine, air, water, food, and so forth. Now, he is something or some things to the negative ones. Firstly, a stone. Here, the stone is not to strike you. Here, the stone is for you to strike against him. This was what exactly the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Jewish leaders did. They struck against Christ. Number two, a bigger stone, which is called a rock. He's a stumbling rock. Do you know through the 
20th centuries, how many native ones got tumbled by Christ? In Christ, and upon Christ, and with Christ, a lot of things that stumble people. Thousands, thousands of people got stumbled. The high officials, the kings, and this and that, the high ranks, and so forth, they don't care for Christ. Today, who care for Christ? No cross. Brother Lee told us to respect the high persons is a shame. According to my knowledge, I was with him for quite a long time. He wouldn't go to the rich man's invitation. No. So, <laughs> today, Christ still is stumbling rock. Not only so, he was both trap and snare. Why? Because among the negative ones, some are animals, beasts. Some are hawks, birds. You cannot snare the lamb. You have to trap it out. And you cannot trap the hawk. You have to snare it. Now, we be careful. If any man who is thinking that he's clever, wiser than Jesus, sooner or later, will suffer. Christ is a stone that you may strike against him. Christ is a rock standing there. And if you are blind and you don't care, then you might be stumble at him. Then he might be something like a trap or something like a snare. Then you got caught. Do you think anyone can escape from Christ? Dick, some time ago we had a program with Ron Kingus and a tremendous point was brought out concerning Christ as this stone. And that is that ultimately all mankind, every person, will experience Christ as the stone. Either as the stone for building God's house, the stumbling stone that he becomes to the religious, or the striking stone to the unbelievers. We are seeing that same revelation in this verse in Isaiah, aren't we? We sure are. And to those who are positive... He is precious. This stone is very precious. Peter says, To we who believe, he is the preciousness of God. And even charges us to come forward to enjoy this Christ as the real building stone. Verse 4 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter says, To whom coming as unto a living stone. This stone, to we who believe, is not harsh, smashing, crushing, or stumbling. But he's so sweet, I would say he's huggable, he's kissable, he's edible, he's drinkable, and he is even somebody who wants to make us his increase. Because it says in First Peter, the more you enjoy this stone, the more you also will become living stones. We become the increase of this stone by becoming those who enjoy Christ as the stone. But to those who are negative toward him, he's a stumbling stone and a smashing stone. You can see this all through the word. For example, he was born in Bethlehem in a stumbling way. He was there for just a very short time. At the last minute, they traveled there. Then he's born, and then fairly quickly, he's taken out and gone back to this despised area 
of Galilee in Nazareth. So those who are just so wise and intelligent in themselves, he should have been born in Bethlehem. What is this? Somebody from Nazareth of Galilee, despising the word, not realizing that they should not trust in their own wisdom and intelligence, but they should follow the entire divine revelation. He becomes somewhat of a stumbling stone to those who are just remaining in their own intelligence and wisdom. Many cases like this. We are not here to be those who are unbelieving, but we're here to be those who come to this living stone, enjoy this living stone, even as our dwelling place, as our home sweet home, and as our roommate, and to be built together with him, and even to become the enlargement of him, which is the increase of Christ to be his body. If you really come to this Christ as the living stone, you'll get Christ as life. Christ is such a stone. Dick, how about Christ as the snare? That's also in this portion. A snare is something deceptively attractive to catch you. And so many were trying to snare Jesus and trap him. But ultimately, he is the snare and he's the trap, and they ended up getting trapped just by maybe one sentence out of his mouth. I was thinking of one really delicious case in Acts 16 when they threw Paul into prison and the jailer was so mean and his desire was to trap Paul, snare Paul, and even to humiliate Paul. But eventually, Christ, as the reality of the snare and the trap, eventually trapped the jailer. And in the earthquake, the whole thing turned around, and he came out of the earthquake crying out to Paul, What must I do to be saved? Initially, this jailer was negative. So the Lord was not so positive to him as a snare. And a trap. But eventually, he himself got caught by the Lord and became a real lover. He experienced Christ as the stone, the trap, and the snare. I think we all have our own snare stories, don't we, Dick? We sure do. In one sense, we've all been snared. We've all been snared in a positive way. Thank you, Dick, for your fellowship today. You're welcome. And we appreciate that you've also been with us for this life study of the Bible with Witness Lee and today with Dick Taylor. A marvelous revelation of Christ. It just continues program after program in these life studies of Isaiah. And we have to tell you that your contacts with us via the toll-free number and your email notes and the cards and letters that we've received are certainly confirming that Christ is being unveiled in a very fresh and dynamic and loving way in the book of Isaiah. We uh, invite you to return tomorrow. Before we go, let me point out again that this Life Study message, as all of these are, is available in print in volume number three now of the Life Study of Isaiah, and it's a three-volume set. If you're interested in that or would just like to contact us with your comments, please call us toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Or send a letter, card to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or email to radio at lsm.org. That concludes our program for today. We are out of time. Thank you, Dick, and please come back very soon. I look forward to that, Chris. And we hope to see you tomorrow. Today for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. 
Thanks for listening today.